Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everybody at the Gospel Rescue Mission and everyone else joining us online. Yeah. So glad you're here. Thankful for our team that's down there. Uh, those of you that are at the mission, if there's somebody in a blue shirt that says CFF Hospitality Prayer Team, they're there to help you guys. If you see them around here on the campus, they're here to help you as well. So we want you to know that we love you and we're grateful for all that God is doing in your life and in our life and in his church. And we're excited about the things that God is bringing to us. We know today's Super Bowl Sunday. Are there any, uh, are, are there any Chiefs fans before this season that are here today? I see one hand back there. Oh, is there another one? Okay. All right. I said before the season because everybody likes to pile on once things get going. Uh, I'm not going to ask about the 49ers, you know, because nobody cares. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. I know there's some 49ers fans here. That's why I said that, all right? I, uh, I know that there's, uh, there's some other fans that are here, and I'm proud of you guys for wearing your shirts. I always tell people, wear your shirt when your team's losing. So I always wear my Lions stuff because they're always losing, you know. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the thing is, is that a lot of people had these great expectations for today, this Sunday. I don't want to pick on the Cowboys fans, but I think they're the most obnoxiously loud, um, confused people that I know. Seriously, it's like every year they think they're going to win. And it's like, when are you going to learn, you know? It's like, come on, you're wearing blue and silver. There's something to that. I'm just telling you because I know. The Lions are blue and silver, in case you don't know, because you've probably never seen them on TV. Uh, they don't play well. They lose. So I'm just trying to help you guys out, okay? Everybody here. Uh, you had some expectations. They were never met. They never were going to be met. So you might as well accept that in the football world. And welcome to my life. Growing up as a Lions fan, you know, we know that there's no expectations before the season starts. So that's one of the good things about it. You can come into the football season with all kinds of optimism. We already know we're going to lose. We're going to suck. We're not going to go anywhere, and we've never been to the Super Bowl, so this is not our year, all right? So I want you to start approaching it that way, and then if anything positive happens, you can be excited and blown away. Like, usually some of y'all text me when they win a game, which is only three times this year, by the way. Which is, uh, you know, normal. But anyway, uh, somebody always texts me like, hey, congratulations, they won. I'm like, oh, really? Did they? That's a shocker anyway. So, you know, you don't expect it. So I'm just encouraging you that somebody here is going to be let down again tonight. Uh, they are because, you know, somebody's going to lose, right? They don't have such a thing as a tied Super Bowl. So one of y'all is going to go home empty. So you had all these expectations and then it falls flat anyway. So I just want to encourage you, just forget it, man. Just go eat your Tostitos or whatever you're going to do and have fun and shut the game off and go to bed. Halftime won't be worth it. The commercials are stupid and somebody's going to lose. I'm just trying to help you. All right. You're welcome. So I want you to, <laughs> I don't care about the Super Bowl, but I hope you have a party and you have some fun there and share Jesus with the people in your life. Okay. But the thing is, is that we are not a perfect church or perfect people here. We know that, and we know we need God's help, which has been given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're so grateful for all that he does for us, and that my expectations in him are always high and going higher. And he meets and exceeds my expectations like nothing in this world ever did. And I'm so grateful for that. Did you spend some time in God's word this week? While you were there, did you hear God speak to you? There wasn't as many people saying yes to that. 
I mean, I want to help us because you see, when we read God's word, he is speaking to us. That is his word given to us. Now, you may not have known where that applied in your life, but it applied in your life. You just don't know where yet. So God is speaking, and when we spend time with him in his word, we listen so that the word of God can fill our hearts so that God can bring about his work in the perfect time that we need it. His word goes into us, and in the moment that it is needed, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus promised would do this, would bring that truth to us to hold us steady in our time. It's such an incredible gift that God has given to us. That is why I encourage you to listen to it, read it, hear someone read it to you, read it yourself, follow along, whatever. Just get God's word in you. It is critically important for your life. Did you share God's story with someone this week? Yes. Spend some time alone with him with no agenda? Yes. All right. I've done it three weeks in a row on Fridays, at least a half hour. I spend my time alone with God daily, but there's a specific time I've carved out to be with God as a goal for the year. And uh, what I'm doing there, I just want you to know, is I don't expect, oh, I don't want to say that. God hasn't spoken a revelation to me in that time yet. But the goal of that time is for David to practice being quiet. I have a really hard time with that. I have a hard time with not only quietness, but being quiet. And, um, and because... I think we're all pretty close to the same in the sense of there's this bombardment of noise and stuff. And when I sleep at night, I have this little machine I have to turn on so there's noise. If it's quiet, I can't sleep. Uh, I was raised with a big family. And so it's hard for me to like be in the quietness. And so one of the things that God has invited me into in that goal that I set for this year is to get comfortable in quietness. And that is like uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I'm learning and God is leading me that way and so far he hasn't spoken anything which is probably his plan in the first place just shut up like okay I'm listening talk fill that space say something just be quiet so I'm like learning to be quiet in the presence of God which is uh, good for me I need it so do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. You invite someone to church with you today? Yes. That's awesome. The rest of you all should do that. It'd be great. And um, we're going to have Rodeo Sunday coming up, in case you didn't know that, two weeks from today. I wore my cowboy shirt today. Uh, a real cowboy, not that other stuff. Uh, shirt. <laughs> we're uh, today for preparing us for coming up in Rodeo. And uh, it'll be a blast for all of us. We hope that you can be a part of that. And uh, share that with others. We'll have some invitations for you to take out and hand out, give to people, and join us. We'll have a chili cook-off, bull riding competition. We'll have pony rides for the kids, um, different stuff going on, free food, uh, all that stuff. So you can check that out and sign up online. All right, there's also golf starting up if you're a golfer. And if you want to be a golfer, I guess you could probably join that as well. There's quilting, hiking, all kinds of stuff, small groups. Get involved. God loves you, and we do too, and we want you to be part of the family. So Kim and I want to say thank you for the incredible outpouring of your love, your prayers, your support, your financial sacrificial giving to us has been totally humbling and um, incredible. It's been very hard to accept and to receive, and uh, we are uh, so eternally grateful for you. It's hard to express those words in the right way to you and uh, everything that's uh, been done and what's going on, but we do want to take that moment to say thank you and how much we appreciate your 
love and your support. Uh, if you've texted my wife or messaged her or called or whatever, there's been sometimes she hasn't been able to talk or can't deal with stuff. So that's why if you haven't received anything back, that's why it's not anything personal. Uh, so if you would just maybe send a message without a question, that'd be great. Just to encourage her and stuff. Thanks so much for that. And we do appreciate it. We are completely relying on God and trusting whatever the outcome is and his grace and he is good to it. Um, we have uh, this Tuesday is when our CT scan will be done to see if there's any additional tumors that are within her. So they'll be doing one of our abdomen and her pelvic area. And uh, to just because uh, we really don't know anything yet, uh, just what the oncologist has told us and what we're expecting. And so February 13th is the surgery date, just so you're all aware of everything and keep you up to date. So with that, I want you to know that I have, um, my wife and I both, you know, committed completely our, we're trust to the Lord and everything. Um, we don't know what the outcome will be, obviously. Uh, and so my emotions have been as unsteady as my faith has been steady. And I've been fine the last few days pretty good all the way through until I got here today. And then you all just messed me up. It's like, it's crazy. I, uh, I just like been a little bit all over the place. Uh, and so the Lord's good, and I want you to know that. And I want to share something with you from my heart of God's message today that, um, as you know, and, and if this is your first Sunday, I want you to know, I was raised in the church. I went to church all the time since I was born. My father was a pastor. I was taught about God. I went to, we had Sunday morning, Sunday school at 9. We had worship at 10. We had young peoples at 6 when you became a 12-year-old. And you had worship at 7. And then on Wednesdays, we had prayer meeting at 7. Two times a year, we had revivals uh, that would last from one Friday to the following Sunday. So about 9 or 10 days ago in church. And so I was in church like all my life. Then there would be camp meeting. There would be family camps. There would be vacation Bible school. All these things. So I'm telling you all of that for a reason. Because since my earliest moments of my life, God has always been. And in that process of having always been, I was taught his stories. I read all the Old Testament stories and New Testament stories as a kid. I don't mean this like I know everything, so please just understand what I'm saying. I know the stories of the Bible. I knew the stories of the Bible. I know God. I knew all about him. I knew about Jesus. I knew about the cross, the resurrection, the devil, sin, all of it. And what I did know as I grew up in that environment was that God was real. And I didn't like him. I didn't like him because of the way I was taught about him and who he was and what he did and how he was involved in life. I didn't like the life I lived because he's God and he's the one that caused my life. I was just a kid. But I knew so I'm, I'm walking through my life of this knowing God and this God whom I knew called me. I don't mean to be a pastor. I had no clue. I was just a kid. But he called me. Come to me. And he kept inviting me. Services and different times, God would call me. And he would invite me into this relationship with him that I knew existed and I knew all about it. And I told him no. I didn't want a relationship with him. I was scared to tell him no 
Remember, I was a kid. I was a kid. No, not now. I don't want you. I don't want you in my life. Later. I'll deal with you later. And I would tell him no. And yet, you see, we were just singing that song right there that you guys were singing amazing, by the way. I could hear you singing that. How he pursues us. And that amazingly patient, loving God whom I thought I knew continued to call out to me even after I said no. I'm going along in my life thinking life sucks. God sucks. My family sucks. I hate myself. I hate the world. And I see this beautiful blonde girl. (laughs) And all of a sudden, my life has a purpose. And she was it. She was 15 years old and I was 16. And so as I began to pursue her and we started talking and started having a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, this girl who did not know God, who was not allowed to go to church, whose dad told her, you can make that decision when you get older, wanted to know all about God. And so with this young girl who's asking questions about God in church and what does that mean, I'm giving her answers that I don't want to tell her because I know him and I want to impress her that I know him. But I don't want to know him. And so it was giving answers that would be, hmm, how would I say it? Like satisfy her desires of knowledge, impressing her with my knowledge, but staying as far away from this thing as I can. In that conversation, my parents get involved, my mother specifically, not my father. And Kim began to ask her questions. And through that process of her asking questions and talking about faith and what did it mean and all this stuff because of her desire to know, I think it's amazing that God put that inside of every one of us. That calling. And so she was hearing God's voice but did not know who he was. As he called her, And you know how amazing God is that he's just like working through that calling to her to say, hey, dummy, I'm talking to you too. Uh, That was me, not you. (laughs) He was talking to me. He was like calling me and saying like, I'm still calling you. Because I'd got to a point in my life where I no longer heard him because I didn't want to hear him anymore. I did not want to hear him. Because when God speaks, you get uncomfortable if you're not doing what he's saying, right? And so I had toned him out. But through that girl and that conversation and all that desire and stuff, God had a chance to once again open up my ears. So why do I tell you all this? Because at the age of 18, when she was a senior and I was 19 years old, um, we gave our lives to Christ together. And as we said yes to Jesus and surrendered our lives to him, God invited us into this incredible relationship with him. Now, the reason I say all of this is there's many reasons, but we're going to talk about this here is that, see, there's there's this ignoring of God's voice, this knowing of God's voice, this invitation by God's voice. And when God was inviting and I finally said yes to him, that amazing God met me right where I was and forgave me and entered into a relationship with me that started in that moment of my life to carry me through this journey of life to today. 
As I began to build that relationship with him, I began to discover who God was. He was not the God I thought he was. He was not the God I was taught he was. He was not the God that I had seen in the lives of other people. The God that I was now in relationship in with was real. Like, do you understand what I mean by he was real? It's like he's real. And, and now I know him. Now there's someone behind the voice. There's a relationship. So as I begin this relationship with God now, it's personalized. So now I'm learning who he is all over again. I'm reading the Bible, and God's word is speaking to me. And in the midst of that, God would all of a sudden just plant verses in my heart. Have you had that experience in your life where it's just like God's word, all of a sudden it's just like, man, you just grab it. See, those are the things I call life verses. We've been talking about how God has laid the foundation of our life in Jesus Christ, and then we stand upon his teachings. And so what happened is God began to put bricks in my life that were promises from him. And those verses that he planted in my heart those many, many years ago, now I stand here today looking back over those times, and I see how many times that everything was going on in my life around me, and it would be that verse that just grabbed a hold of me and said, mm-hmm, right there it is. And you hold that promise of God and you just stand. And God is good to his word. I listen and God is still speaking. It's amazing the way the word of God works and how he speaks to us. And so as I've walked through my Christian life, God has established the building blocks of my faith through the promises of his word, through the truth of who he is. And I have discovered this amazing God that I thought I knew to be someone that I had no clue about. And as I walk with you today and I look into his word, I want to share with you one of my life verses that are many people's life verses that we've held on to through our walk in life together and we will again today as we establish this, this anchor of our life and move forward. You've heard this verse many times. You've heard it probably misused, misquoted, taken out of context. But we want to look at what God actually says to us in his word. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, y'all know that verse. You know that. Now, the problem with is that a lot of times we have not only heard it out of context, but we've quoted it out of context, we've taken it out of context, and we've tried to apply it out of context. And one of the things we need to learn as Christians is to take God at his word, at his word. Not the way I want to see it, not the way I want to hear it, not the way I want to use it, but what he actually says to us. Because when you look at what that verse says, it does not say that God causes everything. <laughs> But he causes everything to work together for good through everything, right? 
So when we look at what he's telling us, he says all these things don't just work together for good like a lot of people in the world say. Everything works together for good. Well, no, it doesn't. Because if you're not in relationship with God, you're on your own and you could be screwed really bad. Okay, the truth of the matter is God is speaking specifically to a people that have a relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with God? God's word has a message for you today. If you have a relationship with him, he then causes everything to work together for the good of. That doesn't mean it's good when it happens. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that only good things are going to happen. But what he does is he works through these things for the good of. Who? Who is it for the good of? Those who are loving God and called according to his purpose for them. So God is saying, I'm doing something in relationship with you that I am trying to accomplish in you. So whatever we're going through, God is going to lead us through. He's going to work through, and he's doing something in us about our relationship with him. Therefore, if God is at work through everything, working within the believer to bring, out, bring us out of it something good for our walk with him, then it's all about his purpose. His purpose for them. His purpose for your life. So I wonder, like, as I think about these things in the word of God and we talk as a Christian community and I hear people from the congregation and in Christian life talking about not knowing God's purpose for their life. I don't know what God's purpose is. I don't know what God's saying to me. I don't know what he wants from me. So if you have given your life to Christ and are walking with him, first off, let me ask you, have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, you can today. And you need to. You'll never know your purpose or have any meaning in your life without him, just so you know. But if you have given your life to Christ, then you are beginning and you began, like I did that day when I was 19, a journey with God that I had no clue where it was taking me. God didn't show me on the day I gave my life to him, you're going to marry Kim, you're going to have three sons, you're going to pastor the church right here you're in right now. You're going to pastor a church in Wayne, Michigan. I'm going to move you to Tucson, Arizona. You're going to be a grandfather. You're going to do these things that I'm going to call you. Nope, I didn't know any of that. What God did was he invited me into this relationship with him where he says, follow me. Follow me. See, the thing is, is that probably we already know this, that if I'd have known a lot of the things he was going to lead me to back then, I might have run the other way. Because in my flesh, in the moment, my faith was not developed and I wasn't ready to step into what I needed to face. And so God knows why. Because it's all about his relationship with me and what he's working in me and through me in the process of learning what it means to know him and trust him. See, I thought I knew him. And so when I entered into relationship with God, I thought I knew who he was. So I came in with the presupposition of my expectations of God. And so what I accepted in that relationship was my own understanding. And so God needed to start fixing that. <laughs> because my understanding of not only him, but a relationship with him was so jacked up. And so God had to begin to work with me through his word and have me give up 
my thoughts of him, my expectations of him, my understanding of him, my understanding of my walk with him. My life has been a continual moment of surrender to my expectations and thoughts of him in this incredible walk. Okay, so here's where things get a little bit crazy in the church and what we've done is we promote the relationship with Christ. Uh, That's the terrible wording. Just forgive me. I'm going to say things stupid, but you'll understand what I mean. Like we promote a relationship with Jesus. Like you're going to get out of hell. Here's your card. You're going to make it to heaven and this salvation thing. And so we kind of like try and get people to buy into that aspect of a relationship with God. You're escaping hell. You're going to have eternity with him. So why wouldn't you want this card? Take it. The truth of the matter is God is inviting us into a relationship with him. It's not to get out of hell. It's to get into a relationship with him. Like the one who made us. You see, in the very beginning, he made us to have relationship with him. Not to escape something, but to enter into something. And so when God invites us into this relationship called salvation and this relationship with him of life, he's inviting us into getting to know him to be with him, to experience life with him. So that when we step into eternity, the relationship we have with God is not starting, but existing, right? It's just the next step in my relationship with God when I step off of earth. Isn't that like, makes sense? That's where he's invited us into. So we got to stop looking at this relationship thing as something in the future context and understanding that the relationship God has for me is here and now, and it's to walk with him in this life, through this life, getting to know him and following his lead. So what happens then is that I realize that I'm not in control anymore. And one of our struggles is that, like, (laughs) giving up control, man. It's hard for us to give God control and to let him lead in the path that he chooses for me. So what God has done, and anyone that's walked with God for any time knows this, is that not only has he invited us into a relationship with him, but he's invited into these moments of saying yes to him. So anybody that's walked with God for any season of time, have you ever had God lead you into a place in your life where you had to surrender and just say yes, Lord, and follow his lead? Have you had that? Say it out loud if you have. That happened more than once? Yes. Today? <laughs> like the whole series of my walk with God is God bringing to a place where I say yes to Him. Why? Because God is at work in and through every situation of my life, bringing about something good in me for His glory in this life that I have with Him. Because God has invited me into this personal relationship with Him where he actually knows me. I'm not just one in, you know, eight billion people on planet Earth. I'm his son, Dave. (laughs) It's so crazy. He knows me. (laughs) He knows me not because I'm your pastor. He knows me not because of anything about me. He knows me because he sought me out And he called me by name and said, come to me. When Jesus is teaching in John chapter 10, 
he gives this incredible story of the shepherd. And I want us to look at that scripture here together. In verse number one of John 10, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and then leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. When we look in the word of God, what he's saying is this relationship that he desires to have with us, with you and with me, is so personal that God wants to talk to you and call you by name. He's not just talking to a mass of people. See, as we're here in church and we're part of a group, it's easy for us to kind of push that off and saying, oh, that's for Eric. <laughs> oh, that's for Mike. That's for, no, it's for you. See, when God's speaking, he's calling us individually by name. And Jesus said, I'm calling you by name so that you will hear my voice and you immediately follow me. So here's the thing. A lot of Christians say, I'm not sure about what God's voice is or what he's saying or all that kind of stuff. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. When I was a little kid, I never took one Sunday school class that said, let's learn God's voice. <laughs> never did. No one told me I would hear his voice. But guess what? When God was speaking, I knew who it was. And I was not one of his sheep. He was calling, and I knew who it was. Just pause for a minute. As we think about the voice of God, here's the thing. If you have a relationship with God because you said yes to Jesus in your life, then you heard him call your name. You already have heard the voice of God because you could not enter a relationship with God on your own. God's word says that he has to call you. You simply respond to him. That's how you enter into a relationship with him. So you have heard his voice. You responded and said yes. There's another voice that you have heard saying, you don't know God. You aren't good enough. You'll never measure up. Blah, 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 blah. You already know that voice, don't you? It drives me crazy that so many Christians know the voice of the devil more than they know the voice of God. I want you to know that the reason for that is, is because you've been listening to that sucker all your life and you've been following his lead. And so now that we have turned and we are now following God, what we need to do is shut that voice up and begin to tune into the simple, small voice of God that speaks to me by name and calls me out. Dave, here's the problem that I have with this usually in my life, and I want to share it with you because I think that I'm somewhat normal like everybody else in the sense of what I want to hear from God. Usually what we mean by I don't know what God wants is we're asking God, would you show me what I'm going to be doing in the next 10 years or so? God, give me the big picture. So all of us know the big picture. We've read the book of Revelation, if you have, and I'm just going to bring it to a real simple thing. We're going to heaven and it will be with Jesus. The devil's losing. Okay, so that's all you need to know about Revelation. <laughs> 
I mean, it's not all you need to know, but I mean, that's the, the context of Revelation is Jesus wins, and if you're on his team, you're a winner too. All right, so let's, like, seriously, like, so we know the big, big picture. So my struggle is not in knowing the big, big picture. It's the big picture that I want, that I struggle with. And that's that I want to know what's coming this week. (laughs) I trust you, God. Show me what I'm going to be dealing with, how I'm going to deal with it, where I'm going, and just give me a glimpse of that. Because if you'll show me that, we're going to walk through this thing, and I'm going to be triumphant and trust you in it. And so we're waiting for God to speak. And usually this is what God says. Like, I'm like, God, I'm ready for that vision that I'm waiting for that dream, that mystical smoke haze to fill the room and the voice of God to speak and my life to be changed and to be able to share with you this amazing vision. And this is what God says. Take one step forward. (laughs) Uh, But... Is that really what you want me to do? One step forward? Why? What? Is there a reason I would take one step forward and not to the right? Uh, what's going to happen if I take a step forward? What will be the results of that, God? Like, okay, I trust you to take that step, but if I take that step, are you going to show me what's coming next? So we struggle because we're continually waiting on God to give us the big picture when God's trying to get us to take the next step. And so we start to get tone deaf to His voice because in our desire to know Him, we want to know it all. And He's trying to reveal to us the next step. Take that step. God, I want to see the results. I want to know this matters. I mean, you're asking me to do something, and I'm willing to do it. But is it going to really have an impact? Is it going to make a difference? One step. Trust me. Dave, take one step. See, the whole challenge to life and to living by faith is God's why is all that matters, not mine. God's reasons are all that matters, not mine. God's results are all that matters, not mine. And so when I go back to that verse, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to His purpose for them. It's like, oh, wait a minute. So it is your why. It is your reason and it is your results. It's not mine. But see, when I'm talking to God and I'm asking Him to speak to me, I'm usually always interweaving my why, reason, and result. Because this is really what I'm after, is what's in it for me. (laughs) How's it going to impact me, and what's going to happen? Hebrews 11 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So God has invited me into a non-tangible trust. Dave, follow me. Okay, God, I want to follow you. Can I see you? (laughs) Follow me. Where are we going? Take a step. See, we struggle 
look, most of us, we struggle with the desire of wanting the evidence before we believe. I'm talking about us Christians. I'm not talking about the world. They're clueless. And I don't mean that wrong. I'm saying they are. They're clueless about this. But here we are, the people of God, and we're still waiting for the evidence of what God is saying to us. We want him to, like, show us. Just give me anything, something tangible. (laughs) It's me. That's him saying that. It's me. I am your tangible. God has invited us into this incredible relationship that is all about trust. See, believing in Him is actually the absence of a tangible answer in the moment. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? How did you get where you are today? Okay. So... See, when we ask that question, we're struggling with ourselves a little bit. Because, you know, we've been confused a lot of times. And I just want everybody here to know that you're here because God brought you. He's led you to this very moment, to this very place, to this very second in your life. That doesn't mean he's been in control of it. That doesn't mean he's dictated it. But he has worked through everything that's been going on in your life to this very moment. That's this amazing God. So I'm just curious why it is that we're still trying to take control of the moment and ask him to prove himself to us again and reveal the next step before we take it. He's invited us into this incredible relationship of faith, saying, do you trust me? And we say yes to him. And every day, not every day, let me say, from every encounter of our life, we are brought to that same moment, that same exact question, do you trust me? Okay. So we trust him. So God's leading. So you know in the word of God that it, we read it last week to you. We don't have to reread it again that we, we go uh, through life. We're going to face challenges. We're going to have trials. We're going to have difficulties. Um, that's going to happen because sin has affected the world and therefore it's out there in front of us. So here we have in the Old Testament these incredible stories that God's given to us of people that don't have a relationship with Jesus but God had called into a relationship with him the old covenant. And God was calling Israel to have a relationship with him. And we in the Christian world can learn a lot from the Old Testament about God and about what it means to walk with him. And uh, the prophet Isaiah was sent by God himself to speak to his people. He spoke these incredible words, and I want you to hear them in Isaiah 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. So God's setting the stage here, right? I'm God. I'm the one that made you in the first place. That's to us as well, church. Oh, Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That is so beautiful, man. 
Do you understand that that's the same God we're talking about who said to his people, Israel, I have called you by name. You are mine. That personalness of God. Jesus takes that same word of God, which he is, brings it to us into the new covenant. And he said, I have called you by name. Now let's go back to this message from Isaiah. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Man, what an awesome word, isn't it? Amen. God's word. Okay, so God says right up front, he's like, when you, when you, not if you, not some of you, when you, please church, hear him. God says, when you go through it, I will be there. (laughs) God works through all things. Okay, so... So we trust him through it all. We don't avoid all of life's challenges. We go through life's challenges, and it's what builds our faith in him because what God is using that moment for us in is another moment of surrender, trust, and obedience. Every single one of them. It's the same thing. It's the same thing at a different level of knowing him. And you know this. If you've walked with God and you've had those moments of yes, It is through those moments of yes that you actually get to know God more. That's where it's at. It's great to, like like I said, you guys, when we were singing that Reckless Love song, and you guys, I said to my wife, I'm like, listen to the congregation. I could hear you guys just belting it out. It's awesome. So good. Thank you for doing that. But listen, what I'm seeing is like, when we feel that emotion of God and all that stuff, and it's so cool, and we feel good and all that, that's, that's really cool, and I'm very grateful for that. But you know this. God is the most real and the most gut-wrenching moment of your life. When you have nowhere else to go, and you just say, yes, God. And He's so real. He's so real. And he carries you through that. And on the other side, you know him. You know him like you've never known him. Because now, you know God in relationship. It's not that you should know about him like you used to. Now you know him through relationship. That he is good to his word. That his promises are true. That he's going to take us through it. And that we're going to be in a better relationship with him than we've ever been in our lives before. There's nothing like it. It's a walk of faith and trust that God has invited us into. That he wants to do something amazing in our life and transforming us. He will be with you. I know that there's all kinds of junk going on. I know that. It's happening in your life. It's happening in our life. Ours is more public so you know about it. Some of yours is public to me. Some people don't even know about what you're facing. God does. When God has called you by name, he said, come to me. 
follow me. Let me lead. Are you going through some deep waters? Anybody here going through deep waters? Anybody feel the heat turned up right now? God says, I'm there, man. I've got you. I'm there with you. You're not alone. All right? So for those of you that are like riding on the waves right now because you're not facing it, it's coming. We're going to switch places with you and we'll be praying for you while you lift us up right now. That's the way life is. Okay? So here's the thing. Like the raging waters are coming. The fires are coming. The floods are coming. The, all this. Yeah, whatever. Um, you can either deal with it on your own or you can let him lead. And based on past experiences, when he said, follow me, and I was like, I'm good. I end up choking on water. I end up with third degree burns. I end up all jacked up. It's like God says, why don't you just follow me? This is the way it's supposed to be. This is his plan for us. So I look in the Old Testament again in this amazing story in the book of Daniel. And I want you to hear this because if you just remember the words I read to you from Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah was speaking to his people. They didn't listen. They were taken into captivity. When King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army destroyed Judah, took them captive, took some of their smart young men, brought them into his service. God blessed them in that place and they were raised up even in that pagan land. And... um, King Nebuchadnezzar was all about himself. And so he had this great idea of making a statue of himself and telling everybody, you know what, at uh, you know, certain times of day, you're going to worship me because I'm, I'm God, I'm, I'm somebody. And uh, this is how it happened in Daniel 3. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, yeah, well, you can praise God for that. It's awesome. But just listen to this next part. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods 
or worship the gold statue you set up. Yeah. So when we read that story, you know, it's, I mean, these guys are amazing. First off, what awesome testimonies of living by faith. We hear their statement. First off, you know, it, we want you to know. We want everybody to know. This is what they're saying. Like, it's, it's not about you. <laughs> no matter how much you think it's about you, it's not about you. We want to make it really clear. The God whom we serve is able to save us. What an amazing statement of faith. Like, seriously, folks, he's like, God can take us out of your hands. You're nobody. I don't care who you are or what position you hold. We know our God, and he's able to save us. That next statement is the one that is the hardest for us to say. But even if he doesn't. We know what he's capable of. But if he, if, even if he doesn't, he's still God and nothing's going to change. Yeah. See, that, that's that walk of faith that he's invited us into. That walk of faith saying, I know what he's able. I know what, he's, I know what he can do. I have seen God do amazing things. But I've also seen him not. So it's, even if he doesn't, do you trust him? That's the whole thing. Even if he doesn't, do you trust him? Therein is the faith that we hold on to where we trust him regardless and we walk with him so there is no question God is able right I don't care what you're facing I mean I care you know what I mean whatever we're going through in life we already know God is able God is able come on he's God of course he's able and we trust him in it but what if the answer from God is no do you trust him then? <laughs> facing, facing the real challenges of life, understanding there are less desirable outcomes possible, but no matter what, my faith does not change. That's what the Christian life is all about. The personalness of my relationship with God is not a guarantee about my situations, but a guarantee about who he is. And see, therefore, there we enter into this relationship with him that is based on him, not on me. <laughs> I'm still learning that. And it's a walk of faith that helps us to say yes to him in the midst of all of that. And so, as a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, my question to you is, who's leading your life? I'm glad the two of you are following him. Uh, for the rest of y'all, if he's leading you, a couple notes for you to jog down. Quit complaining about where you are. Quit trying to get out of where you are. Quit trying to change everything that's going on around you. Quit trying to convince God that something needs to be different than it is and just follow. I mean, we're the Christians in this world. 
We're the followers. We know this. And yet we find ourselves to be some of the biggest complainers, whiners, and wanting things different than there is on the planet. God's saying, follow me. And we're so busy talking about where we need to be going. God's trying to lead. Do you trust him? How many of you are going through the flood right now? Just raise your hand. Okay. It's, it's not like God's like, oh, well, well, third of you, that's okay. We're going to be all right then. We'll survive without you. God says, when you. A word of encouragement to those of you that didn't raise your hand. It's coming. <laughs> Get your asbestos suit ready. All right. <laughs> the heat's going to get turned up. I'm just telling you. It's going to happen. He says, when you, when you, when you. All right. So we trust you. We trust him. So let me just ask you, like, does the end result change your faith? Now, both of just answer that. Think about it. Does the end result change your faith? You know, we're, we're supposed to ask God for stuff, but we're supposed to surrender our will to his, right? So we say, God, do this. Let your will be done, but we still want our will. <laughs> so, here you go. He's like, yeah, God, it's, it's, I know. I want my will to be yours, and this is what it ought to look like. <laughs> it's that moment of absolute surrender. So, uh, in a personal way, I want you to know that uh, I think it was on Monday... You know, this, these weeks and months, or I mean, these, it seems like months. It's only been a week or so. But things going on with Kim and I and, and all that and just praying and talking to God. And, and I, I came to this, like, fresh realization again that if it's not this, it will be something. And so, like, you know, we have a date on the calendar and we know February 13th we'll have answers or whatever. God already knows that. He's not, like, waiting, like, the pathologist to give him an answer. He's... You know, he's not like uh, waiting for the results. He already knows. Okay, and he says, I'm going to work through. Doesn't mean I'm taking you out of it. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through. I'm working through. And so this is the thing that he very much made real to me again was just like, okay, so what if not then? So we may, you know, send you out a great message on the February 13th and say, you know, she's cancer free. We're good to go. Life is awesome. We're on our way. But I, I'm not saying this negatively. I'm saying this to you positively. That um, at some point down the road, her and I will come to a not good end result. We're going to die. My faith can't change because of either way. If my life ends before February 13th and I never get the pathologist's report, God's still good. God's still God. And he's still leading my life. I trust him. So the, the moment of truth for us is, is not in the result, but in the relationship. So God is inviting us into this incredible relationship with him that this earth only has a blip of. If there's anything that ever sinks into your heart from this is to understand 
the relationship that we are in right now is the beginning of something amazing and that God is working in this relationship that will last forever. And there's nothing more important in life. His purpose, His plan, and the relationship that we've been offered by Him is what life is all about. So if you're confused about what your life is all about, that's what your life is all about. You have been called by God into a personal relationship with Him through Jesus Christ that you might learn to walk with Him through everything you will ever face so that when you face your everything, you'll know Him. Thank you, Jesus. He's amazing. Would you stand with us? Those of you at the mission and online want you to know that the altar's open there as well. God's speaking. His Holy Spirit is faithful. God is calling you to a place of surrender. Whatever it is that He's speaking, we want you to know that you're welcome to come forward. Someone will be happy to pray for you, pray with you. But the invitation is by God, and you know the Holy Spirit's speaking, and if you know that He's talking to you, would you please come to Him today? Don't wait. Those of you that are walking through it, just know that He's here. He loves you. He's not abandoned you. (laughs) He's not confused. He's not daunted. He's your God, and He loves you. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for Jesus. Thank you for inviting us into relationship with you. Thank you that I heard you call my name. Thank you that you still speak to me. I don't deserve it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for being a personal God. Thank you that in this corporate gathering that is here and on the mission and other places online and other houses of worship, that God, you're personal. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are going through stuff right now, that your spirit would just be there encouraging their heart today, just that this word of of faith would just build them up today. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We give you glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The altar's open. You're dismissed. God bless you. Have an amazing day with him.